It's so good to uh, it's so good to get into the Word of God, and I'm hopeful that everybody will join us for this message here today. We are in the middle of a series of messages on the kingdom of God called First Things First. And of course, you know that Jesus taught about the kingdom. He said, what you need to do, first and foremost, you need to seek the kingdom. Now, a lot of us, we spend a lot of time, and I've asked this question often, and uh, hopefully you're not tired of hearing it. Anybody think about money this week? Did you think about, did you talk about money this week at all? You know, we all are concerned about these things, what we're going to eat, what, where are we going for lunch, and all these questions that we have. You know, what am I going to wear? Oh, I've got nothing to wear. You know, when, when women say that, they mean I have nothing new to wear. And when men say that, they have nothing clean to wear. <laughs> okay? But Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness and then everything else will be added unto you. So first things first. That's the theme that we're on about the kingdom of God. And I I was blessed right in the middle of uh, Matthew chapter 13. It has this wonderful affirmation about you and me. Uh, This is the the chapter. Matthew 13 is the chapter where a lot of the what's called the kingdom parables are located. And right in the heart of that, Jesus talked to his disciples, and you and I are followers of Jesus. Have we got any followers of Jesus in the house? Amen. And to you, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Now, that doesn't sound very fair. But actually, there is a whosoever in the Bible as well. Anybody that receives Christ is able to get in on it. And the others are the ones who refuse to receive Christ. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. I'm going to bring this up again a little bit later in the message. But there's a special dispensation of understanding that God will give you just by paying attention and following the teachings of Jesus Christ. If you don't understand everything, that's okay. Just keep going. And as you continue to listen to Christ, listen to his teachings, read his word, follow follow his word, more understanding will be given. You know, I'm, I'm really growing in, seriously, I'm growing in my understanding. I've had some very big questions about some of the things that have been happening in my world. And God is giving me understanding. Just He's just giving me understanding. And I am so grateful that this works. It actually happens. That as we continue, we just don't give up. If we don't get discouraged and if we don't give up, God is going to help us. God is going to help. God will help you. If you have questions, God will help you find answers And you are allowed. You are permitted. Come on in. Come on in. Uh, Today, because it's uh, Pentecost Sunday, and we'll talk a little bit more about Pentecost in a few minutes, but the theme today is called Kingdom Power. Kingdom Power. And I'm very grateful for some of the words, uh, some of the teaching in the Scriptures that are about the kingdom and power because I really need these Scriptures today. I've... This is, I'll preach to myself, and if you care to listen, 
I think he'll help you as well. So let's just, uh, let's, let's go to a couple of scriptures, first of all, relating the kingdom and power. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. A lot of times what people do is they give their life to Christ, they invite Jesus into their heart, and by the Holy Spirit, he comes to dwell within and they're, they're taken out of darkness into light. They're, they're born again by the Spirit of God. And we believe that Jesus is in us. And, you know, that's a miracle. That requires the power of God. You and I, we cannot save ourselves. I got a news flash for you. If you're trying to be good enough to get to heaven, it's not going to happen. Okay? We need to receive Christ and allow him to make us new from the inside out. The kingdom of God is not just a whole bunch of ideas. Words are spoken ideas. And it's not just a whole bunch of ideas, a whole bunch of words. It's the power of God at work within us. And uh, when we start that way, a lot of times what we do is we start reducing the Christian life to a whole set of rules and regulations and ideas and things that we need to do to be good Christians. And yes, of course, there's discipleship, there's growing, there's new habits that we need to have. And we need to, you know, we need to be righteous and walk in righteousness. We need to live the Christian life, live it out and act like Christians. But we don't do it by setting up a whole bunch of standards and a whole bunch of rules. That's, you know, someone was saying to me this morning, they're so glad that we don't believe in legalism. That's what legalism is. It's setting up a whole bunch of ideas and rules, even good ones found in the Scripture, and try to live by those things. Okay, well, that's our standard, but we live by the Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and change us on the inside, from the inside out, not from the outside, and hopefully something happens inside. And Jesus talked a lot about the power of God. He demonstrated the power of God with a lot of miracles in his life. And he said one, at one time, he said, if I, I love this, I, I don't know what it is about. It's, it sounds very dramatic. But Jesus, Jesus was so humble and he was so quiet. He, you know, he ca- didn't call himself son of God. He called himself son of man. But one time he, he was kind of getting into it with uh, some of the Pharisees. And, and he said, look, you guys, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, <laughs> then the kingdom of God has come to you. I'm not, I'm not the devil. I'm the son of God. You know, he basically, he kind of put them in their place by saying that. But the idea and the, the, the principle is that the kingdom of God has come to us because God is at work in our lives. God is at work in our world. Amen. Amen. I, I want to talk to you about Pentecost. Pentecost is a word that makes, sometimes it makes people a little bit nervous and and um, I, I want to tell you that we don't call ourselves one, but we actually are technically a Pentecostal church. Now, we might be a small P Pentecostal church. We're not part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And we don't usually use that word. But I want to tell you a little bit about today's Pentecost Sunday. And the fact is we call ourselves a charismatic church, which is sort of like the, uh, the soft version uh, the nice version of Pentecostalism. <laughs> and we believe in the work of the Holy Spirit today. That's really what that 
word has come to mean. And we're a we're charismatic church. We're a Pentecostal church as, a, as opposed to an Orthodox church or a, a cessationist church. And if you know, don't know what those are, it doesn't really matter. I'm not, that's not my message. But I want to talk to you today about the power of God and how it relates to us here in the kingdom. I'm going to start in the book of Luke. Now, Luke was a fellow who actually was not an eyewitness. And people think that this was actually the gospel that was uh, uh, shown to the Apostle Paul, who also was not a, a, an eyewitness. Uh, he had, apparently, he had the book of Mark to go by as well. And there's a lot of uh, sort of parallels between Mark and uh, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke. Uh, but he, he was a, a doctor, a physician. I don't know what kind of medicine he practiced. I have no idea, but apparently he was. And he traveled with Paul and the Apostle Paul, and he wrote the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke, and he also wrote the gospel or the, the Acts of the Apostles, which is a, a book we're going to as well. But at the end of the book of Luke, in, in Luke chapter 24, I, I love these, what, these appearances of Jesus after the resurrection. I don't know. It's, I think it's some of my favorite stories in the Bible. I mean, I, I like David and Goliath. It's fine. You know, I, I like some of those stories. I like, I like that one where the woman put the, the tent peg right through the... the oh, it, I mean, some of them are a little graphic. But anyways, I like the stories of, of Jesus after the resurrection. And I like this one because here's, here's Jesus, of course. He, he, uh, he rose from the dead. The disciples went to the grave on Easter Sunday morning. And they, they found it empty, and they're a little perplexed. They're, they're feeling kind of good, uh, kind of, but they're not exactly sure. And, and so they're, they're locked in. I mean, it was a dangerous time. After all, they, they could have been next. They saw Jesus get crucified, and, you know, they could have been next. And so uh, the disciples were in this room uh, with the door locked. Now, there was a couple of fellows that traveled on foot, from Jerusalem to a little town called Emmaus. And Jesus appeared to them on the road to Emmaus. And they were so excited when he left, like he kind of just disappeared. So they ran back to Jerusalem where the disciples were hiding. And they're in this room telling the disciples all about the fact that, that we saw Jesus. And the disciples are going, yeah, and Peter did too while you were gone. It's really cool. It's so amazing. We don't get it, but it's really amazing. And all of a sudden, Jesus is there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all went, whoa, whoa. They're all like blown away because they're in, inside a locked room. I love that. I mean, I got a feeling like that's what our heavenly bodies will be like. We can just, I don't know if we'll have locked rooms in heaven, but we'll have bodies like Jesus did after the resurrection. And I, I just love it. You know, it sounds a lot like my teenage boys, you know, when they were teenagers. Jesus says, you guys got anything to eat? I just love it that we'll still be able to enjoy food. <laughs> I just, I just love food, and uh, you can tell. And so, uh, you know, they're standing there in disbelief, seeing Jesus filled with joy and wonder, and he's asking them for a snack. I just think it's so cool. And uh, they gave him a piece of broiled fish. The, the, the story is not up up there, but they gave him this this fish, and he ate it right in front of them. And he says, when, I'm with, when I was with you, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms 
must be fulfilled. And then it says he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. We were reading about that. See, these guys, they hung on right, right through the, the whole time, and they're, they're, not, they're, not, uh, you know, they're not sure what to do next. Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem, and, and so uh, that's what they're doing. But Jesus opened their mind to understand the scriptures. More understanding will be given as you listen to the word and listen to Jesus. And he told them all about the, the fact that he, was, he had to die, and he would rise again. And so at verse 49, he says, Now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But you stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on high, power from heaven. Now we're going to jump to Acts chapter 2, which is, again, written by the same person, Dr. Luke. And it's just a fast forward, really, uh, it's probably only about 10 days or so, 10 or 11 days from this story where Jesus is eating fish. Actually, no, that was Easter. But then he was with them off and on for 40 days talking about the kingdom. And then, uh, and then he ascended into heaven. And then they're waiting in Jerusalem. And it says on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages just as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I just know that when people seek after God and God fills them with the Holy Spirit, things happen. And many of us here in this room have had different kinds of manifestations. Sometimes people have gone through seasons where, you know, they started shaking because God's power was on them. Well, you know, God's power is a lot bigger than 110 volts, right? You get a, I remember when I was a kid, I, I got a bobby pin. I don't, why did I do this? I got a bobby pin and I went over to the, the power receptacle and I plugged it in. Now, I learned that you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> and that was just a... Now, listen, I do not want to be a church where try, people try to make the unusual things happen. I want to be part of a church where we want the Holy Spirit to fill us. And I don't want to be afraid of the Holy Spirit in case something unusual happens. Because I will not die from unusual. But without the Holy Spirit, I'm going to fizzle and dry up like a dry stick. And so the, the Holy Spirit happened, and power happened, and people were able to speak in languages. And uh, what happens a lot of times now is people are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're not given an earthly language. They're given a heavenly language. And um, you better get used to it because that might even be the language you use for all of eternity. I don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't say that, but I know there are people that believe that, and we do call it our heavenly language. Why do we call it that? Okay. So I want to talk to you about power. I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God and coming in power. And I'm going to just run through a whole bunch of scriptures, and I want to make some comments. Then we're going to pray, and uh, we're going to trust the Lord to meet with us. 
So first of all, Jesus uh, was talking to some theologians. And uh, they were the Sadducees. And these theologians, they were actually part of sort of the, most of them were in the priestly kind of realm. They were doing the sacrifices. But, of course, they were doing the sacrifices in the temple, and there was no Holy Spirit. There was no Ark of the Covenant, and there was no presence of God. They were just going through the motions. They're just doing it. They were very humanistic. They didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection. In fact, a lot of a lot of ways that people help it helps me remember about what the Sadducees are, what they believe, and they're very sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. And so that's not as funny as you might think, but it's uh, it's it's fun. And so these guys, they that's what they believe, and so they wanted to trick Jesus one day. And they asked him, of course, the, what the Old Testament law said was that if, if a person, if a guy passed away and they didn't have any kids, or sons especially, then the guy's brother had to marry his wife, like his, his sister-in-law, and try to have kids with her so that the family name could go on. And so the, that was the Old Testament law, and that, that was a thing. You know, I'm glad it's not a thing anymore. Um, but anyway, that's that's the thing. And and so these Sadducees were trying to trick Jesus because they believed that Jesus believed in the uh, supernatural because he did supernatural things. And they didn't like that. So they said, well, you know, teacher, they said, you know, there's this guy and, and he, he died and his wife didn't have any sons. And so then his brother, you know, uh, married her and and tried to have kids with her, and that didn't work out, and the, that fellow died, and the third brother tried the same thing, and down to the seven brothers, they all died, still no kids, and then the wife dies. So now, in the, in the resurrection, which one would be the husband and wife? You know, there's these seven guys, they all, they all had the same wife, and Jesus, he didn't even answer their question. Well, I guess he did answer their question. And he, he told them, you know, that's not, gonna, that's not the way it works. But basically he said this. He says, you don't understand the scriptures and you don't understand the power of God. That's why you're asking me those questions. And I think as a church and as individual believers, God wants us to understand the scriptures and to understand the power of God. Not to just live by the do's and the don'ts and the standards. And, you know, we, we, we believe in the things that the Scriptures talk about. The things that, you know, that we should not be lying. That we should not be cheating. We should not be cheating on our spouse. All those kinds of things. We shouldn't steal. All of those things. Of course we believe those things. But we also want to understand the power of God. Now, Understanding is, is part of the deal. Listening to Jesus, walking with him, they will, will get more understanding. It's very important. We want to understand things. But then this, this other scripture, uh, again, Jesus was in his hometown this time, and he was limited. And I don't want to be a person. And, you know, I'm just saying me so that I don't say you. Okay, But let me just say, you don't want to be this person. But I don't want to be this person that through my unbelief, God's work is limited. That's a thing. We can limit God's work in our lives by unbelief and skepticism 
and being overly familiar. Yeah, yeah, don't talk to me about Jesus anymore. Yeah, 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 I understand. Yes, I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Yeah, I get it. No. (laughs) The Son of God became flesh, dwelt among us, and he died on the cross for our sins. Now, I've known this all my life. And I embraced him 60 years ago, and I want to tell you I'm still grateful. I'm still in awe and full of joy because Jesus loves me. This I know. And God help us to have that reverence for him and that understanding. But in his hometown, and they even said, look, here's his brothers. And I was was interesting to read the names of his brothers. Okay, he's got a brother, James. He's got a brother, Joseph. Now, that's weird. Jesus was the oldest, but they couldn't call him Joseph. Then his next brother was James. They didn't call him Joseph, the dad's name. Uh, They called the third kid Joseph. I thought that was interesting. And he also had a brother named Judas. That would be a little awkward. And then he had a brother named Simon. Now, that's not Simon Peter. That's a different Simon. That's Simon Simon Joseph, actually, would be how he would be called. And then apparently he had some sisters. That's all in this scripture here in Mark 5, uh, Mark 6, 5, I should say. And it says because of their unbelief, he couldn't do too many miracles. I mean, all he did was, you know, healed a bunch of sick people. (laughs) That'd be good in Christ, an understanding of the power. Uh, I want to just go to the next slide. I want to just keep going here. I want to go to this area of reliance right now. I'm going to skip one of these scriptures just for time's sake and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4. And Paul said this, my message and my preaching were very plain. And if you've been around me long enough, you realize my messages can be very plain. Uh, Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I personally would rather wow you with my intelligence, but that wow might be really small. Uh, but he says, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit, and I did this for a reason, Paul says. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. That's what I want us all to trust on, is not on you know, being the, the brightest and being the, the coolest and being the sharpest, and we can, we can do our best and be as excellent as we can. And believe me, we do. We do the best we can. Uh, But what's really more important is to trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. We need God at work in our lives. That's what we need. And I I have a, a, I believe, is is a prophetic uh, series here coming up right now. These next three verses are very important. And this is the heart, I believe, of what God wants to do in your life Today, God wants to meet you today. In Colossians chapter 1, this is a prayer, and he's saying, I pray that you'll be strengthened with all of his glorious power. All of his glorious power so that you can call down fire from heaven and empty the hospitals and even empty the the, uh, cemeteries of all the dead people. No. I want to... It's going to take power to do that, of course, but it's going to take enough power just for you to have the right emotional health. We need God's power. A lot of times we feel like, forget about God's power. I just want to get through the day. Yes, you need God's power for that too. We need to have God's power in our life 
so that we can have endurance. And I, I was talking to a, a, a young man recently, and, and he, was, he was so frustrated about something that was going on in his life. He says, I just don't have any more strength to do this. And I said, exactly. Exactly. God will give you the strength by his power to have patience. God will give you the strength to have power, by, give you the, 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 the endurance through his power. God wants to fill you with joy. Do you have joy in your life? Don't connect with the funniest comedians. Connect with the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Spirit is the source of joy. The power of, it takes the power of God. Do you realize that there is a devil that just wants to wear you out? How could it be that we live in the most wonderful nation on the planet? We live in the most wonderful part of the most wonderful nation on the planet. And we still get worn out. Why is that? Because there's an enemy that wants to rob and kill and destroy. And he's good at it. He's practiced. And we need the power of God at work in us. If you want to have more joy in your life, more endurance in your life, don't go after the things of this world. I'm begging you, go to God. And allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life by His power. Gratitude comes from the Holy Ghost. Second Peter, sorry, Second Timothy chapter 1. God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us timidity. Do you have anxiety in your life? My heart goes out to you. I'm asking you. I'm not trying to make it easy. I'm not trying to, you know, be, be um, simplistic. All I know is that the Holy Spirit is not the spirit of fear and anxiety. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit, the, the spirit of love, and the spirit of, of a mind that works properly. You know, we can take the meds and we can do the stuff. We need to go for the walks. We need to do all those things. We do. That's part of self-care. But we need to include and maybe even major on the spiritual part, the soul part. God wants to touch your soul. God wants to touch your body, yes, but he wants to touch your soul as well. And I'm not asking you to stop with the meds. And that's not what I'm saying. You know what? One day you'll know if you don't need them anymore. You'll know. And a lot of times you need, you need to be very careful. Use wisdom. Use wisdom. Don't just throw them out. But seek the Lord. And if you get extra peace, okay, that's, that's good. And you'll realize what you need, what you don't. And, and then Romans 15. Look at these emotions here. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely, fill you completely with joy and peace. John was talking about that earlier. The peace of God. Because you trust in Him. And then you will overflow with hope. How about this? Let's be people that overflow with hope. Come on. How do you do that? The power of God. The power of God. You can't drum this up. Well, you you can for a day. Or at least an hour or two. But it will, you will get worn out. I promise. And probably you can all say amen to that. But God can fill us by his power. A peace that goes past 
comprehension and understanding and drumming it up somehow. And, you know, we want to be positive. But when I say positive, I mean faith-filled. Come on. Come on. In fact, you know, you, you, may, you may scoff at some of those positive thinking books. And there's, a, there's an author, a former pastor. He's in heaven now. And his name is Robert Schuler, and he used the word possibility thinking. And, you know, he touched the whole world with this possibility thinking. And you know what he said that means? That means faith. That means faith. And uh, if you read his books, that's what he talks about, faith in God and understanding and having the power, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The mind is the battleground. The mind of the is the battleground. Uh, I'm just... Uh, I'm just going to ask you, if you would, please, just to give me five more minutes extra. Can you do that? You have no choice, but thank you for saying yes. I appreciate that. Okay. Second uh, Corinthians, uh, this is how it works. God says, my grace is all that you need, and my power works best in your weakness. And I was thinking about this this morning. I was so grateful because I really feel weak this morning. I honestly do. And God says, well, my power works best in your weakness. Come on, that's good news. I'm in, I'm in a great position because I need a miracle. <laughs> I'm in a position of strength because I need a miracle. Come on. God's power works best in my weakness. And so I, I'm not here yet. I'm boasting a little bit now, so that's good. I'm, I'm getting there. Paul says, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work in me. Uh, I'm not quite there yet, but, you know, I, I think weakness does not necessarily have to mean insecurity. It doesn't have to mean a victim mentality. But it means that we understand that without God, we're hooped. I want to order my life. I want to order our church. I want to order... I want to order my family so that we're in a position where without Jesus, this is just not going to work. That's who I want to be. Okay? I'm just telling you. <laughs> and I, I think that we're on the same page on that. Look at this in Second Peter. Come on. You want to try to live for Jesus without this? He says, I want to give you this divine power. And because the power is there, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. It's the power of God. That's how, we, that's how we become a good Christian. Not by following the rules. We, we don't want to forget the rules. But that's not the, that's not the how. That's just the what. That's how it works. So I want to close uh, with a prayer. And this is the prayer of the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit praying for you. We believe the Bible is God-breathed. Amen. God breathed. It's, it, that's what the word inspired means. It means God breathed. And the Bible is God breathed. And he says, this is the Holy Spirit praying. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That's the Holy Spirit praying to the Father for you and me. Then, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And you will have power to understand. It will be given to you as you walk with him. 
And as all God's people should, how wide, you'll understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. You will understand his love. And here's the expression. Verse 19 says, may you experience the love of Christ, even though it's too great to understand fully, and then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. And, uh, you know, if, if I had a million dollars, God, I, you know, I could do so much. But God will give us what we need. God will give us what we need. We might not be able to look to the, for, to the ahead and say to the future, I know how it's all going to work out because we might not. But we look back over our lives and we see the faithfulness of God. All my life, he's been faithful. All my life, he's been so good. Amen. He's going to be good tomorrow. And then uh, verse 21, it says, Glory to Jesus, glory to God the Father in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. God wants to work in us. God is at work in us. God has been at work in you and me. You know what? If we have an inkling to follow Jesus, that came from the Holy Spirit. No one comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit draws them. That's a miracle that you want to be closer to God. That's the power of God at work in you. That's where we connect. That's, that's what we need in our lives. And let's not be afraid of the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's embrace the things of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? Uh, Graham, can we sing that song, All I Need is Jesus? And Perhaps we could have that go up on the screen. And let's just, just, sing, just sing it once. Let's not sing over and over again. Let's just sing it once. Um, if, and maybe even not once if you can't get your microphone on and your ears plugged in. You'll need this monitor, Glenn, the, the, the big monitor. He does not use it in his ears. All I need is Jesus. Let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. All I need is your Holy Spirit to fill me once again. All I need is to draw near to listen and hear. All I need has been May the God of peace fill your heart with all good things so that your youth may be renewed as the eagles. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you. Love Jesus. If you need personal prayer, come on up. People will pray with you on either side. Coffee's on. Love one another. Amen.